When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Today on Lowell's, we have our friend Alex Osimo Baker, or should we say Alex Stochastic Baker, joining us today to talk about Osimo's big rebrand, what he's been up to, and also a little best ball game theory. Alex throwing a wrench, uh, a grenade at us, week 17, bros. We're going to hash it out all today on Lowell's. I, does he think? I it's think he thinks goat. this. He thinks this is a go. Vegas Dave thinks this is a go. Hot naked girls doing yoga. What? Why don't you just win like a man? Random.org. <laughs> Type in one for yes, two for no, and let the DFS guys pick for you. And I'm absolutely begging you not to do bus. <laughs> Please don't do bus. Alex, Osimo, Baker, welcome back to the show. When was the last time you were on? Everything blurs together for me. <laughs> What's up, guys? Yeah, good to be on the show. Um... I can't remember, but you guys have been doing a lot of good for the industry, you know, firing duplication and DFS tournaments <laughs> and, and toxicity and League of Legends. So it's always an honor to be on here. Uh, Technically, Brian, just you? duplication for us. Like, don't do us. You could do oh, everyone yeah. else. That's yeah, fine. Yeah. It's I so just thought of something. Yeah. Did you did you squat on all? Did someone from the Osmo, formerly Osmo team, squat on all the sto stochastic usernames? On DraftKings and everywhere else. <laughs> you can't have like a new guy who's got the, the gamer, the user tag stochastic going up the rankings and not be on the team. <laughs> well, I mean, like if there was someone who did that, I guess we would have to hire them because that's true. Yeah. Okay. It's funny. It's funny you say that because we were just doing this full cast earlier and there was someone whose handle is awesome yo. Yeah. Uh, and he has your guys' logo, and I didn't like his takes. I was like, I don't, I don't think this is an awesome approved take there. So he was masquerading with your takes. Well, he's uh, he's Mike Lawrence, and he actually, <laughs> uh, he's been in the community a while. Like I always saw him on like YouTube streams, commenting and stuff. And then apparently, like he's a producer, so like we actually work with him now, and he like produces a lot of our content. There you wow. go. Well, sorry yeah. for the shots fired. Uh, <laughs> I'll also say. Uh, Alex, I think it was probably like a year or so ago I decided to get like the blue blocker glasses and I legit forget to wear them all the time except when I see you on stream. <laughs> so maybe I can, uh, I remembered today and now I can join you uh, in the blue lock. Uh, it's an honor, man. It's always good to be twinning. I see you got those headphones as well. Yeah. So now all I need is the backwards hat. Let me, let me I know, you're really, you're, re you're really <laughs> slacking here. Um, yeah, so what's a, it, you, you've seen, uh, You've got a lot going on with the uh, the big rebrand. Have you? I know you guys have obviously. You did your press release. You announced it, but have you actually talked like long form about it on a show or anywhere? I just want to make sure I'm not missing anything. Uh, no, I mean I've been on shows since then, and I mean done, like done the stochastic shows and stuff. I haven't like gone into detail about why we changed the name. I think we had an article on the site and. There's a little bit bits and pieces here and there. I think you kind of get the gist, and I, I think you guys, uh, 
you guys were on the right track uh, on your last show a couple of weeks ago, Kyle. Why, like, we might consider changing the name of what we did? What is what is the feedback been since since uh, announcing this? I think it's uh, it, like I, I think it caught everyone off guard, like for the most part, and they're like, "Why would you do this? Like, you're on top of the game." But like, we're really thinking uh, like long term here, just making sure that. We're making smart moves for like the long term of the company uh and i think like the reason why we chose awesome originally was because we were starting from zero and like i built up some brand equity playing dfs and getting to number one on, on roto grinders so it was a convenient name at the time like since then we've brought on like some really awesome uh dfs players sports betters like and a lot of people behind the scenes so i think it was appropriate to to have a name that kind of like encompasses everybody on the team uh and we came up with stochastic i feel like you guys should have done you know how um you know they'll have like the parking spot for employee of the month it's like what if every month you guys just put one of your contributors names in a hat and then that was the name on the site so it's like the colts <laughs> ship my money and you just do a rebrand each month i think that would like work. yeah honestly isn't too far from the truth because like in dfs like everyone's gonna have their hot months and down months and like we do have a lot of really good like players on the team so like there was uh, a couple of months where like Sean Zahn was running like God, like so we were like hyping up Sean on the shows. Should my money obviously has had some some big wins. Like he he uh, it really disheartened all the NHL bros when he won 100k in NHL <laughs> and he doesn't even know hockey. So like it's uh, it's always uh, some guy or another like having like the huge day and it's cool that like we we can all kind of be under this umbrella of sarcastic and and hype up the the guys that are that are uh the superstars of the day you know he he won 100k at pga too i think and that's when i officially declared pga 100 random chance no skill at all. <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, I think he like gets off on that too like uh that he's like beating people at their own game so i think that's like part of the fun in it i mean he's awesome at at MLB, NBA, and football and stuff. But it's always fun. Like, to me, it's like, uh, I always enjoy seeing people have success at some of the other sports, maybe outside of their comfort zone, because we all kind of want to branch out and try some of these new ones that we're not as <clears throat> familiar with. And, like, I think it's cool to see people, like, having success doing that. So, I, I mean, the pushback that I saw with the name was mainly just that it was like a mouthful to say that it didn't quite roll off the tongue. Brian was talking about how, and I think he's right, that kind of the process, especially if you use like an outside firm for coming up with names, kind of how intensive that is. Was this just a few of you guys sitting around spitballing or were you guys using kind of an outsize like uh, or outside marketing firm to help do this? Uh, we did it all uh, ourselves. I mean, we had uh, a lot of discussions about what the name could be, and ultimately we decided on Stochastic for, for a variety of reasons. So that was kind of our process. It's just something that like all, all the guys on the team like felt good about. It, it has to be something unique, I'm assuming, because you, you need a squad on all the social media, and you want it kind of unique for SEO and stuff like that. Definitely. And I think one of the things that people like maybe didn't pick up on is that like when choosing a brand name, you want something that isn't overly specific. And like 
with Osimo, it's kind of like it had this association with DFS, but like we're not trying to just do DFS. Like we want to do sports betting, right. like fantasy football, and like who knows what what the next things that our company is going to venture into are. are. We we don't even quite know, but uh, I, like I'm excited, like because like what if we wanted to do like a poker uh, vertical yeah. or something like that would totally fit under this umbrella. Yeah, and stochastic too kind of fits with definitely fits with post poker. I, and I mean, I totally agree. I we've talked offline before. That I I thought you should do this exact same thing. And even when you decide this, I'm assuming it probably took you like six months or a year to like get the whole thing rolling. Where you're like, okay, we can finally switch it over, and it's not going to break, and we have everything <laughs> logged. So I bet it took a while to do that. The so I think Pete already said this, but yeah, so you're squelching it. All rumors that someone's trying to buy you or <laughs> you're sold a big piece or anything like that. Or maybe someone's in works. What do you, you got anything like that in the hopper? I mean, the rumor mill was pretty amusing to be honest. Like my favorite rumor was that we were being sued by South park uh, about the name. <laughs> uh, but yeah, it, it's, there was really no like immediate impetus to change the name. Uh, it was more of a long-term long-term uh, strategy i mean because and everyone knows obviously that was kind of directly tied with the name when you were first starting out i mean you were doing pretty much everything with the site and specifically from you know a projection standpoint modeling standpoint like where are you at right now with kind of how you feel about dfs and, and even making that kind of content like are you exhausted by the process when some random nascar slate comes around and you're like fuck gotta run my model <laughs> again or do, do you get like the juices going like do you get excited um you know day in and day out kind of doing that stuff yeah i think it's uh like it's funny because some of those random things like nascar like uh camping world series like i'm pretty sure that most people don't even know we cover that on the site but like i'm out there like doing the projections like all the time for that it's like it's at really inconvenient times and stuff so like uh yeah it is kind of a grind like more than getting burned out i think it's like it's just the inconvenience of the timing of everything where like now i'm married and like my wife nina wants to, to do things and it's like uh oh, sorry honey i can't I can't hang out with you and your friends. I got to update League of Legends, China League, you know? <laughs> so I, so I, how I, much... Oh, go ahead, Brian. I can't imagine that's any fun. Like, no. especially if you're doing completely bottom-up with projections and everything like that, like keeping those databases up to date. It's not It's not fun. And if you, the more, like, computer skill you have or help you have, the easier it gets. But it's still not even fun then. So I... How much have you? Sorry, P. I know you got a question, but I'm interested no, in like how much have uh, how much have you kind of pawned off to other people right now? Like, 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 let's say Osmo starts day one. You're 100. percent Let's just let's just say it is. What like what are you now in your day to day stuff? And I'll just vouch for 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 uh, Sean and Steve. I've worked tons of hours with Steve by himself. He's he's sharp as hell. So what uh, like what would your percentage be now? Yeah, so like first I'll start with like some of the sports that I'm not involved with, I guess, where like one of like I built an NHL model, but like I don't know NHL. So like we're fortunate that we brought on Jake Hari like pretty soon yeah. after founding the company. So like he had kind of a model, then we kind of worked together on a model, uh, and that's where we're at now. And he 
he like does all the updates for the most part if he is on vacation uh, or something like he'll feel like alex i i uh, like you need to update these days and stuff so i, I like kind of work in a little bit uh, and then we have guys like matt gajeski like that guy is like he's probably like the biggest um mvp like as far as projections because he's doing like college football college basketball yeah. and usfl like doesn't get nearly enough credit in my opinion like for how how like much he's doing behind the scenes we got like uh i'm not sure if you guys have ever like tried our, our soccer but we got giovanni vidal like doing projections for that like i, I plugged in his projections i won like 100k it's crazy so like uh and then uh Matt Savoka is kind of like leading a lot of our best ball. <clears throat> Sean and Steve are definitely the core, like core parts of our projections team as well. Where, like with the bigger sports like NBA and MLB, they're kind of we're kind of like 50-50 like between me doing it and Sean and, and Steve. So, uh, yeah, I think like a lot of people have their their hand in, in all these different sports. Yeah, and so it sounds like your process with that kind of is ideally you, you kind of provide the the guardrails or kind of the framework for the model and then kind of trust and lean on more domain experts to make sure there's nothing glaring there and then also fine-tune them in a way that makes them even more valuable. Definitely, yeah. I think, uh, yeah, it really depends on like how much domain expertise that <clears throat> Our data and tools team which is me sean and steve like have in the sports because i think like we know a ton about like nfl nba mlb like the big ones and then like some of the smaller ones that like uh maybe we don't have as much time to, to devote to then that's where we bring in like guys that really know those sports so what I was trying to tease out before as you mentioned obviously you're married you're more busy you're probably handling stuff on the business side I I guess I'm trying to understand if, if you did have, um, say you didn't have those things going on, would you like in your perfect world, just spend your day doing everything you did to start this company, all of that, doing the projections, or are you actually excited to have that stuff off your plate to an extent? That is a good question. Like I, I, uh, like I think, uh, I really enjoy the guys I'm working with and like also like all, all the like modeling and stuff. The one thing that it's, it's kind of causing like an existential crisis for me, to be honest, is that like, I feel like a lot of my best work may be behind me where like I built these, these models that like, I know they're good because I've used them to win like a bunch of money. And then like, I we kind of like built the site up uh, to this point. And I feel like a lot of like the biggest impact I've had is kind of like behind me and I'm still trying to contribute all I can, but um it's kind of like damn like it, it's it's kind of crazy because i'm like have i peaked already like i'm what am i gonna do with the rest of my life you know what i mean you might have another business after this one buddy you never know <laughs> so well, so the, with um dfs there's projections and then there's a process you use to enter those lineups yeah. so two two questions then with all the new guys and i kind of know this answer but your how you enter lineups have you shared that with any of your coworkers? and two since you're not playing as much enter do you ever think about oh maybe we should add another tool that like you could you could here's how you should enter some lineups for a big field gpp we have some stuff in the works that will help people like build lineups in like an efficient way like one of the things i've been working on recently like we have a big focus on 
trying to make it easier for for casual players to to build smart lineups uh like especially people that like the hand build or just enter like a few lineups because like i feel like um there's a lot of guys out there that they love fancy sports and uh i kind of feel like there there's like enough sophisticated actors in the space where if you go at it solo without like expertise you're gonna be at a big disadvantage so we're just trying to get people up to that level where they they can compete and and make this a sustainable hobby <clears throat> and be on par with with those uh those uh sharks so to speak so um kind of went on a tangent from the original question but like uh your your specific process are you, oh, yeah. are you, are you gonna so, share it a lot of my process is like tied into the spreadsheets where we, we do the modeling so like all those inputs I, that create a projection like i'll also use for other other purposes so like some of the stuff like the top stacks is like an extension of our projections where like we're running simulations to, to calculate the odds of different stuff happening so i think uh yeah that's kind of how it's set up for me right now where like most of the work i'm doing on like the projections uh and, and the tools like it feeds into my process and there's like just a couple extra steps on top of that to, to come up with the lineups when you I, I definitely know kind of or i think you described it well of that feeling like hey you accomplished a lot of this stuff and now wondering what can i do to to top it is there i assume there's also kind of you know how much work and how much time it went into becoming a domain expert here. So the hill for the next thing probably seems really steep because I'm, I take it you're not someone who's just going to, you know, be a dilettante and kind of just hop in and do something. Like if you do something, it's going to be massive. So what, what are the things that are intriguing you now as kind of where you could see yourself really focusing your time and energy? So like, I think with DFS, like, it, I became like extremely specialized in this like intersection of like, I wasn't a data scientist, but I, I learned like the, the math and the science behind like building predictive models and then the sports expertise. Cause I kind of like immersed myself completely in DFS 80 hours a week uh, so that like I could compete and like, uh, like I, I, I kind of like approached it like building my own models because I felt like the models available at the time weren't gonna cut it. Like the the situation has changed a lot since then. But like, yeah, I do feel like if I went outside of this intersection of sports and uh, math, then like I don't think I'd have nearly an advantage uh, like I I have in, in DFS. So that's definitely something that I, I've been thinking about. Well, you we we you mentioned, of course, the uh, the chess is okay eighty hours okay. line. I mean, chess is okay. Talked about how he had gotten into some more like tradfi and you know crypto stuff. Like, I, there has to be room to apply modeling and kind of that within different markets where there might even be much more upside financially. Maybe not necessarily this specific market we're in right now, but in general, does that intrigue you at all to apply it to to stuff like that? I think so. Yeah. I mean, one of the markets that was especially intriguing was this new like sports NFT market. Like it hasn't turned out very well. So I learned my lesson that like, <laughs> even if you, if you have the domain expertise, it doesn't necessarily translate into profits, but uh, I think it is really hard to predict what the next big thing is because like when I was doing poker, like I didn't even know what DFS was. 
and then people were like dfs is the big thing like i'm like i'm quitting poker to do this and like there are these guys making crazy money playing dfs i didn't know about that like until like a couple of years before i started playing so it's like you gotta just be in the right situation at the right time to to jump on as it happens i i don't know about anything right now that that's especially appealing i i guess like the DeFi. uh like it's funny like a couple of years ago maybe that was the trendy thing now it feels like we've kind of like gone over the hump almost so i'm not sure what to make of that where are you at with that stuff brian do you still like when you fire up your models for x random slate i mean I, i'm guessing for you it you, you view it all through the lens of like this is my job and i'm showing up to work and i'm doing my 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 job for today or is there do you still get excited even is there any hobby element or fun element or is it just procedural for you at this point uh it's pretty much procedural uh like yesterday with like the millie to first and mlb is like oh this one could be interesting i'd like to get lucky today but um i'm doing a best ball sim and um i started in mlb um mlb i started in excel and i'm switching over to R and uh, my R skills are not great. So it's like a learning, learning experience. Um, and it's actually kind of fun. So uh, yeah, but it's not, uh, that's what I was saying. Like with the database and stuff for projections, like boring. <laughs> <laughs> that It was fun back in the day years ago. I like coming up with stuff, coming up with like sim ideas is kind of can, is fun. And like the strategy behind like, okay, how can I win here? That stuff's fun. Yeah. I feel like DFS has gotten a little stagnant and that like the contests we're playing today are still like the same ones we were playing like five years ago. So maybe that kind of contributes to it where like you kind of already have your model for, for everything. And then like, it's a little bit less exciting, like, trying to just like grind out like small enhancements to that right and there's probably this element of like okay you're you're doing modeling and stuff so you're going to be at the top as far as how people are approaching this game but as projections content tools everything it's like the gap is getting closer and it's like for you guys and this is the same for like an olympic runner too right for them to shave you know two or three seconds off their time is like infinitely harder than for me to like shave off two minutes <laughs> off my time so i assume it just feels like the gap is always getting closer to you compared to you being able to separate from the field? Well, I, I have a very unique perspective on this because I used to play poker and like, I feel like poker is in a much more advanced state, at least when I, like it, it's even more advanced than when I quit. But like, even at that stage, it was like 10 years into the, into the game where DFS I think is more like seven or something, but like, um, like what happened, you're right that like, there's a group of people that that are getting sharper and sharper but there's also like a group of people approaching it the same way they always have where they don't even use any like tools they just go on their phone and they're drafting uh so it's like the the like sharp players are like getting even more and more advantages over this this average joe <clears throat> while uh it's really the population size of that group that affects like the viability of, of like making a profit in dfs uh, I also think that maybe the sites kind of are aware of this dynamic and they try to structure the game in a way that that is most favorable to this group of players that may be like the most novice. So uh, in, in poker, what happened is you had these kind of low edge games 
but they were like raked a lot lower. So like on some tournaments, you're paying like 1% rake where like some tournaments would be like 10%. So like we haven't seen that happen in DFS where the rake has had to like come down to like justify the viability of, of the game. But I, I definitely see that as a possible way that this industry could develop. You know, I bet my guess is behind the scenes they're handing out vouchers and DK bucks and stuff to specific people um, to kind of keep that ecosystem going. But it is like the smaller that pool gets, like you just can't beat the rake. Like there'll probably always be just like sports betting, just guys who just want to bet on the Bears and they're gonna do so every once in a while. It's there's probably gonna be guys who just play DFS every now and again. It'll always happen. But if that pool gets below where a good player can beat the rake all kind of screwed at that point how do you think about it because i I think about this a lot from a content perspective and why i have a hard time becoming a thread bro and a tiktok bro it's like we (laughs) we all know how to play that game but i also think about i guess i'm phrasing this for you specifically is like the quickest way to get people over to stochastic or whatever is through, you know, whatever it is, player takes stuff that actually isn't as important to being a successful DFS player, but then keeping them, you got to teach them how to fish and you got to have the tools and you got to really show them what goes into this. How do you like balance that idea of like the best marketing for our site might not be what we ultimately are trying to get them to do? Yeah, I mean, that's like been an issue we've been talking about a lot recently because uh, I think like you're spot on that like a lot of guys, like no one when they like start playing DraftKings is like, I love projections. I'm going to play fantasy football, right? It's yeah. like you learn how to use projections because you want to succeed at fantasy football. Like, but it, it is a little bit of a, uh, a, a, challenge to convince people to use projections that aren't using projections because like they enjoy playing the way that they play and like we're trying to figure out the best way to like enhance that everyone's experience in dfs regardless of how they play and i think like we've done a lot of surveys where like people are like you guys focus too much on like the like high dollar like super max players and stuff and like we're really trying to uh, figure out the best way to to kind of have a site that that's like really enhancing the experience of everyone. When when you when when um, sports betting was going to be a thing, and in your head you're like, okay, this is going to do X for us, right? On a scale of one to ten, how'd that turn out so far? Like sport sports betting for your company, like well, think- compared to your original idea, like. We're gonna make a ton of money. We're gonna get, or like, yeah, well, maybe we'll dabble in it. I don't know what your expectations were, but like compared to your expectations so far, how's how sports been and treating still? Yeah, I mean, like to be honest. Oh damn, R. Kelly was sentenced to thirty years in prison. Anyway, uh, <laughs> like, uh, so uh, the way I see it is like DFS is sports betting. Like, so like I don't necessarily draw like such a distinction between the two. But like in typical like uh, customer to like sports book products, like we've started, we've kind of seen a lot of growth recently in, in like success in that area. So it's been encouraging. Uh, I would say like the the process of like having authority in the DFS arena to like transferring that to sports betting was like more challenging than anticipated. 
but I think we're on the right track. And also might be like, they might not pay out. They might not pay as much as you thought too, you know, like the referrals and cause I think even with the referrals to, that's currently set up in this kind of boom market still wasn't as good as poker in the boom market. They had uh, that you, cause you would get a piece or even DFS in the beginning where you would get like a percentage of all their play. And that's just a ton yeah. more money, especially if you land uh, some whales, and you guys certainly <laughs> would. Yeah, we, we missed out on the Roto Grinders, like uh, yeah. golden age of being a DFS provider. Yeah, but sports, like, betting um, went, sports betting I, went right to referral program. Because like, they knew like the competition wasn't going to be there. Like the, the biggest like challenge of sports betting referrals is kind of logistical because like there's they don't make it easy to sign up for these sports books. Like I remember like last Christmas, my mother-in-law like was like, yeah, I want to bet on the Super Bowl or something. Or maybe it was like February or whatever. And she's like, I want to bet on the Super Bowl. So like I sent her an affiliate link. Like we went through the process. She like filled out all the forms. She goes to the deposit page and she tries all of her credit cards and none of them, they're all declined. So it's like there are some barriers that like you might not even think of until like actually getting in the game that. Like there's a lot of friction between like wanting to sports bet and then actually like signing up and then getting people to use your link. So there's a lot of challenges there. Yeah. Well, and that you goes know, back- Bitcoin fixes this. No, I'm <laughs> it, it fixes everything. Um, no, well, that goes back to that same idea of like the type of customers you're marketing to, right? Because you know, sports betting affiliate links, you're, you're, you're dine and dashing those, right? You're like giving them an offer. Maybe you have a bet promo that they're going to come tail on one side, but like, are you really pulling them into your ecosystem? Whereas if you bring someone in from the DFS side and they're like, Whoa, this tool is sick, this top fighters tool or whatever. And now it's like, Oh, and now I can go do this for MLB too, top stack tool. like <laughs> you're creating different kinds of power users. And it's what I think about a lot too. And why I appreciate like so many of the people in my discord, it's like, we, we all are we like games we like puzzles we like game theory and everyone's kind of approaching it from this almost obsessive personality and you don't have a lot of the flybys which means you don't have as big of an audience you don't have as big of you know followings as other people but fuck they're they're a really good audience and they're great people to be able to interact with every day and definitely yeah i think like there are a lot of so sorry i'm updating some mlb stuff uh th- there's a lot of like really avid fantasy players and like obviously like they're like the bread and butter of our community like uh where they're really the foundation but like the number of these players is like kind of small in the overall scheme of things like i wrote this strategy guide uh for mlb and in the process i was kind of looking at the demographics of the the player pools and uh, one of like the one I was looking at is that big fifteen dollar on on DraftKings where everyone's trying to win fifty k or hundred k, and like on average there's only like fifty guys max entering this contest and then only fifty more like MMEing it. So there were like four thousand users, only five percent were like MMEing. It's like a lot of people just entering in a, a couple of lineups. Yeah. Are you are you guys both uh it, Bride, are you updating MLB stuff too? Oh no, uh, the early slate is done, I think, and I didn't do the three PM. He's probably doing three PM stuff. I don't know. Or unless you're getting ready for six PM. I just saw some notifications on my phone. I'm like, oh shit, I'm asleep at the wheel. <laughs> yeah. and then, and, and by that you mean your R. Kelly notifications, right? Yeah. yeah that, that was a 
do we need to talk about this? It feels like the, the audience is probably like, like wanting our reactions to that. Yeah, I've been uh, monitoring the chat and um, nothing on R. Kelly. There was a battle about XRP that broke out in the chat just because of one single Bitcoin reference. So that's that's just how it goes around here. <laughs> um, I do. I, I want to dig in. I know we got about 20 more minutes here. I want to dig into some best ball stuff because uh, I know you guys have started to do some more best ball content. This was kind of the first piece I had seen from you where it seemed like you devoted some kind of serious attention in thought. First of all, just tell me, uh, it was this kind of like capitulation on your part? Like these guys won't fucking stop talking about best ball. I'm going to throw my my hat in the ring. Was this a puzzle that you were excited to solve independently? What kind of brought you down the best ball research rabbit hole? So the funny thing is I actually wrote this article like a year ago and just no one saw it. So now when I posted it, like I refreshed it for 2022. Now everyone's like, oh, this article is dope. Like, I'm like <laughs> Yeah, what did I do wrong last time? But uh, yeah, it's like uh, we were all like, we want to do best ball. And so like I kind of dedicated myself to like figuring out the best strategies for the game. And <clears throat> Steve Buzzard at the time, like uh, was like he he used to work at Football Guys and uh, he has a ton of uh, experience in fantasy football. And he really got my wheels turning because he wrote this article about how um, you should weight different weeks differently for your for your regular season fantasy leagues. So mm -hmm. I'm like, we want to solve this for best ball. So I uh, came up with some different simulations to, to try to to uh, to make some rough estimates of, of like the best strategies in best ball. And it it was uh, I didn't really know what the results were, and I guess uh underdog was interesting because like you think like one fancy point in the the playoffs would be worth a lot more than one fancy point in the regular season but it's only like two or two to four times as much because like you, you have a lot more like points in the regular season but it's just that um the margin of victory compared to those points isn't like linearly scaled to that so like even though there's like 1500 points potentially in the regular season like margin of victory on average might be like 50 where uh compared to one week in playoffs like you might have like somewhat similar margin of victory but um <clears throat> obviously a lot less uh fancy points yeah and i think you know the the question would you describe when you do these points per dollar um would you say this is how you would think about maximizing ROI versus maximizing EV? Do you think those are one and the same? Like, how are you thinking about that through this lens? So I think, uh, like, I think a lot of people are zoned in on week 17 uh, for, like, that was kind of the evolution is like, okay, at first people were playing, picking the best players and people were like, uh, we got win in week 17. Well, like we know you got to win. It's like a parlay. You got to win every week, uh, including the regular season. So like it's kind of balancing all these factors, to be honest. Like it comes down a lot to <laughs> just picking the best plays more than like optimizing for the playoffs because the difference in projection for a player in a playoff week versus a regular week might not be that, that dif different except in extreme circumstances like going into Green Bay and in December or something, or just somewhere with really bad weather, 
Uh, so that uh, I, I think it's like really interesting to look at. And then like there are some small adjustments that, that we make on our rankings and uh, those can have a big impact. But in general, I think that uh, maybe focusing in on one week too much it, it can be a mistake. Yeah. I mean, I definitely agree with that, right? Like I've seen the drafts where it's just people are reaching and they're they're overcorrelating just everything. And it's like, it does seem like you're giving up too much. Although I would ask you, Alex, because like, I know you're not getting out of bed for anything less than a million dollars here. That's not making it move for you. And so I understand if you say to me, Peter, if you're trying to um, maximize your ROI in this contest, you might want to focus a little bit more on week 16. But what if I said, Alex, all I give a fuck about is winning a million or plus dollars. I want to finish first or second. That's my only goal. Is it still makes sense to optimize more for week 16 than week 17 through that lens? So I think that <clears throat> these are multiplicative to some extent because if you have a higher chance of advancing, like based on these metrics, then like the uh, that column that's like points per dollar times like the, the percentage of the time you get there, is going to be higher like so um like these effects are kind of multiplicative between the different outcomes so like if you have a really good week 16 team you're going to get to week 17 more and that's going to improve your results i probably wouldn't game or like i probably wouldn't like do some mega stack in week 16 just because like you're definitely not going to be stacked in week 17 then but like one of the things that makes basketball interesting is like the the line of construction approaches like more and more similar territory like the farther in you get where like there are certain players that are going to win your league in week 16 and everyone's going to advance with those players so like uh i think that is a big factor where you you need to have like a guy in week 17 that didn't get you there that comes through for you to win it right which would which would almost say to me too partly why i am okay focusing on week 17 of knowing like yes it's less likely i'm going to squeak these guys through but you're often going to end up with if you're optimizing for that week say someone optimizes for week 16 they probably don't have some of the same week 17 correlations that you have so you kind of get the double bonus of yeah it's harder to get there but you would be unique theoretically when you did get there how far how far are you pushing this alex let's say you're doing an underdog draft you're around pick 50 let's say <laughs> how far are you dropping down on an ADP, your ADP, whatever, just an ADP to throw in that correlation week 17 with the QB or something like that? Would you go down to 60, 70, 80? <laughs> Honestly, I, what, what, because I mean, obviously, this is what sharp players do, but we have to be realistic, like trying to win a GPP. 17 weeks from now 450 man one is really really hard and a lot of luck <laughs> so like how like what would you let's say you're you're around the 50th pick how far are you dropping down to, to get that perfect correlation that you want so i think like in general like if you or really you're not want at a player all. you draft them around before their adp uh but like I think the, there's two things like the the game stack where you're you're stacking the opposing players to your quarterback or you're exposing stack. I feel like that is a little bit overrated, possibly, where like the correlation between one team's success and the other teams in football isn't 
isn't that high. And if other people like have this stack as well, then like, uh, I, I just like, obviously the, the quarterback plus receiver stack has yeah. a lot more correlation than quarterback plus opposing players. So yeah. I'm really going for those stacks and not as much the game stacks personally, but I don't so think you're saying like one round. round you'd go down one round for that QB yeah. wide receiver. Uh, yeah, I, I would because like sometimes like if you don't get that pick, your draft is kind of screwed. Like if, if yeah. you like draft two of the same team without the quarterback, for instance, and then you miss out on that quarterback, and then that really narrows your path of victory because if those guys have big weeks, other people are going to have that stack and you won't. So then yeah. you're kind of screwed. And one thing I've noticed too, just from doing these is I think the temptation people want the premium correlations and the premium stack. So they're often reaching early in their drafts to do that where there is the most opportunity cost. But then what happens is, okay, say you get your perfect, you know, chargers Ram stack through five rounds. You got cup, Mike Williams, Keenan acres, Alan Robinson. It's like, now you're heading into the late rounds in your, you actually don't have hardly any other options for correlation. I, I find when I go 10 rounds, and maybe I just have a couple, then it's like, it's almost impossible for me to not have correlations at ADP the rest of the draft because I have seven or eight teams going. I can pick to double down on a team, like you said. And that's been something I've been focusing on where I've been more, because I think while the bring back correlations are fun and sexy, it's like you almost have two outs to just betting on a team because you can have them if they blow the team out 40 to 10 you want to be on that side or if it's a shootout 40 to 40 or whatever you're you're probably going to get a big score from those guys as well so i i just think if you're a little patient with the correlations like the board just completely opens up for you in the back half of the draft definitely yeah and i think having some late round stacks that you like is kind of a nice thing to plan around like uh last year i ended up with a lot of like Derek Carr because I liked uh, Hunter Renfro <laughs> as a pick. So then you kind of like, if you like sometimes getting, I, I don't know if I'd plan my draft around this, but like sometimes you get that skill player that early in the draft that the quarterback's late in the draft. And that's just kind of like a natural like way to draft that that's pretty productive. So just having one early round stack, one middle round and one late round stack, like, can be a good strategy but like obviously yeah. with a game as dynamic as best ball like you can't plan too far ahead so I like in, go intuitively ahead. i think like a run back is a good t like tiebreaker if you have like the exact yeah. same adp on a guy it's a good tiebreaker mm -hmm. or a lot of this stuff really is just tiebreakers for me but the wide receiver maybe stud tight end qb i'd probably be willing to force that and and uh multiple wide receivers from or catchers from uh, the same QB team, I think there might be like a like a double bonus. Like if they really have a good season, like that team's really likely to make it to the playoffs. Plus, you get the correlation in the playoffs and stuff like that. Um, but you could test this in a sim, right? Like you could adjust their ADP artificially, and then see like, okay, how bad did this do, and how good did it do, and how much did the correlation matter, and just all sorts of things like that. So you could actually find out, but I don't think you want to because then all the week 17 uh, marketing uh, for best ball world is going to get shot, bro. <laughs> uh, a, a couple other things I do want to touch on here. And Leone in the chat asking, um, how are you accounting for season long injuries in the Sims? And this was something I was thinking about too, where 
so much in fantasy football and best ball specifically are these contingent players where it's like you can look at Alexander Madison's medium projection and it's going to be pretty poor because you're going to assume, you know, Dalvin Cook's going to play mostly a full season. But in those games where he's out, he averages 18 points a game. And so I imagine that is very hard to quantify and model. So I guess, yeah, with Leone's question, how do you think about that? So I think uh, one way to think about it is the injury rate by position where running backs get injured at a much higher rate than quarterbacks, for instance. So like, it, it's kind of like balancing the different positions a little bit because running back usually is that one that you're drafting first, but it's also the one that can bite you the most with injuries. Um, but I think with the, the players that are handcuffs, like, this is the one where I feel like you can fall into a lot of pitfalls because like there's guys that you think are handcuffs that the guy gets injured and then they don't get the, the playing time. So you got to be damn sure that the guy is actually going to be a workhorse when they do get the opportunities. Alexander Madison is a good example, but like I, I remember like in past years, people are like, oh, this guy's the backup to Christian yeah. McCaffrey. McCaffrey gets injured and then it's like some other guys. <laughs> like yeah. yeah that then you're just like you're drawing dead from the start and you didn't even realize it yeah Accounting yeah I mean, for injuries in a sim is pretty easy i'm sure leone knows this but like you could you could easily do it you just have to guess like christian mccaffrey what's his injury rate this year what would you guess pete honestly like mate what would your number uh, be Say like three weeks or longer. Thirteen what, what to fifteen percent. I'll say fifteen percent injury rate for McCaffrey. Like more than three weeks. Yeah. What What would you guess, Alex? Or do you, do you not believe in that? Do you think it's just random? Uh, I, I would kind of. I think thirteen to fifteen percent is a reasonable estimate. I think that yeah. like people overestimate the chance he'll get injured again. Okay. Yeah. Uh, I don't know. I my, in my head I was thinking like twenty five percent, but that sounds too high. But like it doesn't, it shouldn't change your mean projections anyways in a sim. Like you should still leave your mean project. This is how I, I I'm gonna do it, and you leave your mean projections and then just have some sort of random um, injury role in your sim. And so, like probably like length of time, and it could happen each week. So like, you know, it gets hurt for. Rolls hurt two weeks, zeros. And so like your mean in the sim will actually be lower than what you'd show on your site. Um, but that doesn't matter in this, in football. That's not the same thing in, in some other sports. Yeah, because uh, the other thing I, I've been thinking about a lot too is just like when and how you know, you're getting uh, this production and kind of one of my thesis is that, you know, the ADP on underdog specifically is so efficient, but it's efficient in a way at pricing production for the entire season and various production, specifically production at the beginning of the season, Russell Gage's ADP screaming up right now. That's not as important to me, but you're paying a premium for it in the market because they're looking at it over the course of the whole season. Whereas I'm find myself looking at the weeks 15 through 17, where is this production I could get at a discount? You know, our zero RB team that finished top 10 last year. I mean, Sony Michelle and Rashad Penny did nothing for our team the first 10, 12 weeks of the season. And yet were these absolute late season hammers. And so I'm also thinking of that, like, how do you think through that from a modeling perspective, these guys who are suspended, injured, traditionally break out later because they do bring so much more value than a, a typical player you're projecting for the whole season. 
I think Rashad Penny is like an interesting example because I'm pretty sure that was a guy that it would have been really hard to land on like in a best ball draft last year because like I don't remember exactly what the Seahawks depth chart was, but like Chris Carson was was high on it. Then um, I, I feel like Rashad Penny was like several people down in the depth chart. So like it does kind of beg the question, like are people under drafting some of these like really long shot players where maybe Rashad Penny was only in like a few percentage of, of best ball drafts like taken. So um, that's kind of the tricky part in my ex experience, especially like early in the season or maybe you draft the handcuff and then they get cut before the season even starts. Like, because it's just really hard to tell what the depth chart is going to look like for a lot of teams. And this yeah. is where I do think it's fun when you want to get into there's, there's, places to get your player take hat on. And I mean, the end of the draft, there were, as, as Leody says, uh, there were people who were very excited about Rashad Penny. I mean, uh, Rotoviz has been pounding the drum for Rashad Penny for a long time. So I, I think that is where you can really kind of dust off like, hey, I do think I might have a player eval uh, thing where if the depth chart opens up, I think this guy's just the better guy who had earned touches. But it is a, an interesting thought experiment. And I also wanted so like to bring... Oh, go ahead. So, like, Rashard Penny, like, even Rotoviz, I don't know. I'm making this up. I bet their projection for him pre-2001 season was probably pretty fucking low. Before, and they, they might say, like, this guy's a out, this guy's an outbreak candidate, but I doubt they projected him for, like, 240 fantasy points for a season. You know? It, but I, I get what you're saying. I just kind yeah. of think people misunderstand Sims. Mm -hmm. It's kind of like probabilities and things like they don't understand. It seems like that's happening in Sims lately. And so, like, yes, you can have a bottom-up sim in DFS where you enter all your lineups from this process specifically. So it's easier in DFS because, um, well, one, there's no draft. That's huge, right? I could enter whatever I want. And you have a ton of information that day. But sims, even even if you – so, like, here's what I'm saying. Hearing, hearing people say all the time, like, well, what about the injuries? What about the backups? How are you accounting for this? How are you accounting for that? Which is all granted. Like, you want to put the most work you can into your sim – but you could still glean a ton of strategy from just doing a basic, you know, level one sim if you're smart about it and figuring out like what means what and stuff like that. And so you could go like, okay, I have a lot. I showed you one of my early ones, Pete. Like I had a lot of advancement rate for Christian McCaffrey. And yeah. your first thought is, well, he gets injured. So that's probably too high. It's like, well, yes. So like, you know, when you're drafting that that's probably a little high. You could like go manly it, lower it because clearly if the guy's going to get injured 25% of the time, that meaning projection's wrong. He's not going to happen a lot. You could even take him off your board completely, but you still learn a lot of like what positions are advancing, like whatever, what whose ADPs are off based off of these numbers. How much do how much does correlation matter? Because it doesn't matter if if you're just doing things like correlation and advancement rate. It could be made up names and numbers, and you could just be okay. Like what? What yeah. point projection to ADP matters? What correlation matters? What happens in the postseason? You don't even need. And then here comes the the the, the porn bots in the middle of my speech. <laughs> they heard the sim, the best ball sim. They're talk, like, they come right out of the woodwork. They, they heard that speech and they're like, oh, virgin alert. There must be a bunch of virgins in there. <laughs> this dork's talking. Well, I think to the other reason, Brian, and I actually want to tie this into the three quarterback stuff that you wrote about as well, specifically because I think what was so interesting about your piece was kind of, and you could say it's like retrofitted in a small sample size, the first two years of best ball mania, but the three QB. So like a lot of the best um, 
like finals and semifinals advance rates were two quarterback builds. And so some of this stuff, which is interesting of, you know, I'm curious too where you would think about like obviously forecasting via Sims versus using the data we have, like what's more reliable because we are still working with such a small sample size there. Yeah, I think like it's just like DFS where like if you look at the last slate and look at what lineup won, yeah, like that doesn't tell you much about what the best strategy is. And uh, in best ball, like the, the length of a slate is very long. So it doesn't necessarily tell you more information. It just means like you have less data. So uh, that's where like doing some simulations like uh, we did like uh, for each position uh to figure out how many points they're adding over the course of a season can really help you come up with a concrete number on how to value some different players yeah and the the thing i i mean i definitely build um way more to quarterback build specifically when i've you know and, and you reference this in your article as well like where you spend your draft capital is going to inform what you do later but to me again thinking through that final week from like a, a dfs lens or a single week lens it's like I can only start one quarterback and I'm going to need to be like near perfect to take this down. I don't want to use three spots on only one starting spot in my lineup. I'd rather have that bullet that can find its way into my flex and stuff. So it did make sense to me that three quarterbacks would help you advance more and that they're going to always provide more points over, you know, some of these super fringe uh, running backs and wide receivers. But how do you think about that? Like my guess is if I said you get to build your best ball roster for week 17, when we got there, you might even just put one quarterback on <laughs> it, a, a, a low owned one, but you probably wouldn't want to be using three quarterbacks to kind of win that tournament at that spot. Well, I think that's where the format comes into play where like, I, I feel like the ownership of certain quarterbacks in week 17 is going to be very high Yeah, because it's like those stacks that get you there. So like, if Patrick Mahomes gets 40 points week 16, like most of the lamps in week 17 are going to have them. That's mm -hmm. why having Ben Roethlisberger, like, like, it's fun, like he's retired obviously now, but like Ben Roethlisberger could be that week 17 quarterback that gets 40 points. It's happened before. Like, uh, and if everyone has on Mahomes because he got you there, then that has huge pot potential. Yeah, so you're kind of saying you'd be willing to sacrifice maybe a, a structural kind of benefit in, in using that extra roster spot somewhere else, knowing that your third QB is likely going to be more unique than the one to two Q quarterbacks that propelled everyone there. Exactly. Yeah, you're going to have like, like definitely you're going to have a, a guy that very few people in the, the tournament are, are going to still have because like that third quarterback that didn't contribute at all in weeks 15 and 16, like most people are going to advance with them. So how do you, um, how do you think about then? So, you know, like say you take two of the elite quarterbacks, let's say you grab Kyler Murray and Jalen hurts around the six, seven, like based on what you did, do you still think it's worth tacking on a third quarterback in, in those situations? Or are you saying, Hey, when you don't end up with a couple of the, the good guys, you know, use this as permission to get to three quarterbacks i think it's always like a pretty good idea uh, obviously it depends if there's anyone else that you like late in the draft but if uh if i have the choice between a quarterback that i know is starting the whole season and a running back that's like 
maybe second on the depth chart, maybe third, but who's counting? You know, like the like uh, maybe the running back has more upside, but like the quarterback does have a lot of upside despite that. So, um, actually, I gotta jump over to the deeper dive here. Uh, yeah, in a few minutes. But. We uh, we really appreciate you swinging by. This was fun. Thank you for uh, joining all of us, best ball bros. It is uh, it is great to have you uh, delivering thought leadership in the space. <laughs> Yeah, thanks, thanks guys. Yeah. Thanks for coming on, bud. It's always right, awesome we'll jumping Peace on with out. you guys. And uh, yeah, catch you guys next time. Sounds later, good. Later. We'll talk to you later. All right, later. So uh, back to the Sims really quick. Yeah. The um, Another huge difference here between DFS and best ball is you have to hand build. You have no choice. You have to be there in a draft, and then somebody's going to snipe you, blah, 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 blah. So like – Doing a the greatest best ball sim in the world, although I mean these guys work for companies, like they should be doing that. But you could still get a lot of information out of a sim. Uh, but bottom line is you're gonna have to get in there and, and hand build. And but like I said, you could do it even without real names and and yeah. still get a lot of information out of it. And when you're hand building and you got like a back a handcuff or someone who's injury prone that you think's injury prone. Like you're gonna be modifying as you go, anyways, and you just kind of have like guidelines in your head, um, tiebreakers and stuff like that. Yeah, I mean, I've been tr- cracking my head to trying to think like, okay, how can I automate this more? I don't think there's any way. You got to hand build in basketball. Yeah, that's why we love it. All you automation bros, you know, stay out of our our safe space with our beautiful hands and our I know better selections. I mean, I do think for me, the what I'm most excited about for Sims with best ball is from the structural standpoints. And that's why that third quarterback thing is so where it's like, you know, what are what are we missing from where points traditionally come from? Um, and what are the kind of structures that are viable? And yeah. I, I see galaxy brain conversation on Twitter all the time. Why not a four QB build? Why not a four tight end build? Like, these are the kind of things that I don't think my brain is smart enough to know. And you need to see Sims to actually show, and, can these points actually get you there? And Leone's point is well taken. He's right. Like you're, what you just said would be shit advice if your Sim sucks, because like, if you don't have the right ingredients in there you're you're pumping out garbage and then people are basing their stuff off it like oh you need four quarterbacks it's like oh no because he didn't account for x y and z like maybe you know like in his sim he has like sometimes people don't take quarterbacks at like a way high uh, level than is normal or something and it's like oh okay taking quarterbacks is really good strategy here you know whatever like there's a bunch of ways to screw it up and um but like i think a lot of the concerns are like, like guys, it's hand building anyways. Like you just get your sim to try to answer a few questions you have. Like how much does week 16 and 17 happen? How much does correlation matter? How much does ADP matter? Right? Like if you, cause like I said, use fake names and fake numbers and you could be like, Oh, okay. Well, if a guy who's, you know, projected to score 20 points a week drops two rounds, like you got to take them above the correlated play or something, you know, whatever you can have all yeah. these rules of thumb that then you go and memorize and use when you're hand building live drafting. Yeah. Yeah. No, it, it, it is fun because there are, I mean, you're, you're blending so many elements. It is such an insane puzzle to, uh, yeah. to try to solve. And I, and I also get it from Alex's perspective of like, Alex isn't grinding, you know, running back prospect profiles and you know, what, 
uh, metrics have been normally predictive for, you know, breakouts and stuff. So it's like all those late round picks are just like a wash <laughs> to, to him in, in a lot of ways. And I can see why, you know, trusting the Sims on like a three quarterback build in that situation would make sense for him. I also think you can, you can play to your strengths. Like if you, if you do feel like you can, you know, out select your opponents in the 17th and 18th round. And then to his point, one thing that I do think specifically aligns well to his three quarterback thing. And I still won't take three quarterbacks if I get a couple of good ones, but you get the double bonus because a lot of the good third quarterbacks are these rookies are these guys that aren't getting drafted in a lot of these drafts. So they're already inherently going to be unique because they're not getting selected in every draft. And then on top of that, um, you know, they would help you be unique too, just um, with a unique stack once you get there. So I don't know. I think that's uh, I definitely think that's interesting in three quarterback builds. Yeah. I was thinking about the last week. 17 is like 470 players this week. Yeah. That's bigger. It's still pretty small in DFS, the DFS world. Like, I consider that a small size tournament. Right. And, um, like, in small size DFS tournaments, you don't need to get that crazy. Mm-hmm. Like, this, my Sims tell me, anyways, it's like way less crazier than a 30,000 man field. Yeah. Way, way less crazier. So, like, uh, there's a give and take. I, I, I think my, there might be a little overthinking here, honestly. Well, and I think. The, the edges probably in general are so small. And so then you find an edge and people probably push it too far is probably, but then the question, you also don't want to just shrug your shoulders and say like, I don't know, just grab whoever is like at the top of the ADP and just hope you get lucky. Like you, you do want to explore like where, where yes. are these edges, whether it's structurally with the players you're selecting with the correlations you're focusing on, like, it's to me the way I've been thinking of them is like I know these are all like tiebreaker co- uh, in in bonuses for me. Oh, this guy slipped fifteen picks past ADP. That's a bonus. I want that. Oh, this guy has a bring back to my week seventeen. Yeah. That's a bonus. Like so, it's like kind of picking and choosing, but not getting like laser focused on like what specific bonus I I want because then there's yeah. diminishing returns. I think that's an excellent excellent strategy. I will, and I wasn't I wasn't like uh, pointing out anyone specifically overthinking no. i'm just saying like when you are hand building you're you're gonna make a lot of these decisions yeah through your draft so uh i mean that what i want is somebody to tell me exactly what to do because i don't want to think right and yeah so that's why i'm building mine to kind of give me a number like this is what you want this guy at and then you ch- and then every couple weeks or whatever as news comes in and changes and their adp changes update that maybe it goes down maybe it goes up yeah and then with all these correlations and stuff like that and i'll i could show uh, this is i could just uh one little thing to end on and just to kind of show uh you know i know i'm the guy that made the the video week 17 is all that matters but showing you the point to which i'm not forcing it um i did this draft uh today I didn't get one of the uh, Chargers wide receivers, but then Justin Herbert fell um, and I had already had Cooper Cup. So I thought, you know, I am focusing on this game. I don't have a Charger yet. No problem. There's some later. I notice, you know, Josh Palmer goes off the board like 30 picks ahead of ADP. Spiller, the other Chargers running back, goes ahead 15. I stay patient. I do get Gerald Everett. And then I'm sitting here thinking like, all right, I would like to double stack Justin Herbert, but I have this zero RB team where I'm rocked up at wide receiver. And I'm like, what does Jalen Guyton 
do for this team. Like at best, this kind of cardio runner guys maybe going to get loose for like a deep ball once, but I decided to just make the bet. You know what? I'm going to take Will Fuller. I think he has much higher upside. I end up with just a skinny stack on Justin Herbert, but it was like, I'm not going to kill kind of my structure and what I think is optimal for this team just so I can say I have a Justin Herbert double stack. Right. And so I, that that's kind of the thought process I'm going through of like when it lines up, like if Josh, Josh Palmer fell to me within like 10 picks of ADP, I would have taken it, but he went so far ahead. So it's like, I'm not going to just fucking yeah. take Jalen Guyton for that reason. Yeah. That's another thing that Sam could tell you is okay. Guyton and a, uh, and uh, Herbert, like how much does that really help you compared right. to um, Allen's still there, right? Keenan Allen. Yeah. Compared to, a number one like that, like you might want to reach a little bit for Allen and not take Guyton at all. You know, like right. it's, it would probably tell you, it could probably tell you exactly what you're, what you're supposed to do. And then you could go like, Oh, but what about all the injuries? What about all the injuries and whatever else? It's like, yeah, but like, this is probably right. Like uh, this is something you could plug in fake names and fake numbers and, and it'll tell you. I also think, tell me just talking out because Nick is, you know, and I agree with them. Sometimes a skinny stack is all you need. Help me think through this. Cause I'm thinking of it from the uniqueness perspective of like, say the team, like last year, the Bengals were a good example where it was like, you know, Jamar chase went off. Then T Higgins went off and Joe Burrow was going off every week. And there were so many teams that had Higgins in, in Burrow specifically in the finals versus like, if you've made like an overstacked bet, you're going to need that team to go on a tear. And then you're, you're probably going to have a lot of duplicated, um, textures of players with the field. Whereas if you're a more skinny stack, there's more paths to that getting there in a unique way. D- does that check out? No, that, yeah, that makes sense. That makes sense. But I mean, then you're giving up the, uh, the stronger stack correlation. Right. right. So it's always a give and take. Um, and you can, I mean, the only way to tell these things is through Sims or maybe math uh, but that makes me think, like, I wonder, it would be cool if as the draft progresses, like a draft buddy kind of thing happens where a it's caddy, a draft, a draft caddy, caddy kind of happens where it's like, here's like your, your most likely stacking options given, given ADP and what's happened at every yeah. pick. It's like, that might be possible. Well, in the other thing that I was thinking through in a spot like this, uh, uh, as far as being unique, is I know most people who select Justin Herbert, and the reason his ADP has gotten so so high is because the Mike Allen or Mike Williams and Keenan Allen drafters at the two three turn are often reaching to complete their Herbert stack. So I immediately knew not having Williams and Keenan and Herbert falling was probably going to get me kind of a unique. Justin Herbert thing and knowing that there were viable options to backdoor stack. So I think about that a lot too. And one of the benefits of being patient past ADP is like, you're probably getting a unique pairing with that quarterback once they really slide past ADP. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, it is, uh, I mean, obviously I think you'd rather just, I would guess that you just want the, you want the nut, you want the nut correlation if you can get it. Well, no, but so, so my point is I didn't, I didn't know I was like, I wasn't targeting Herbert. Like I drafted three wide receivers that I like better than Keenan Allen and Mike gotcha. Williams 
And then, but then Herbert fell and it's, so then I had that decision. Do I pass on Herbert because no. I don't have his top two partners yeah. or do I scoop him in backdoor stack knowing there's still yeah. options and it'll be unique. That's yeah. You know, that seemed, I've only done like eight drafts so far this year, but I've seen that a couple times where it's yeah. like, man, Russell Wilson is like 15, 17 slots. Like, cause no one wants to grab their QB yet or something. Yeah. It's like, all right, I guess I'll take them. And I think normally, and this is how I think through like tiebreakers and stuff. I think normally at pick 52, you know what? Eight spots pack. I don't think I grab him if I didn't use my first pick on Cooper Cup. And it's like the Rams and Chargers play a sick LA home game in week 17. I knew I still had some easy correlation there. So it's like I use two tiebreakers, Herbert Cheap yeah. and Cup as my first pick to yeah. be like, all right, let's make this selection. Yeah, I think that's all smart. And um, the more the more of those heuristics you can memorize and use throughout your draft the better the better you're gonna hit the better you're gonna do I, so uh unless everything's I'll, bullshit <laughs> i mean everything is bullshit but uh i will say last week if you guys missed it we did a special stream on friday was that last week yeah that was last week right yeah i guess so yeah geez time is um yeah on friday so brian and i hopped in a best ball stream brian has been working on this sports hud and one of the coolest parts about it is this thing we have decided to call the draft caddy and it can um basically it's customizable however you want if you guys watch the stream you can see i uploaded it to include week 17 matchup week 16 matchup and um my current exposures which is my favorite part about it um right now and uh that tool is available and i think brian we're gonna Hopefully, if we can get the scheduling right, do another one of those next Friday where we kind of draft and, and can showcase the cool, but the tool. But what kind of feedback have you gotten? Because I know a lot of people have signed up for it already. Well, pr pretty good. A lot of people like yeah. it. Um, the automation's on the way. Uh, they already have it done, but it just it's not working good enough to release yet. Yeah. Uh, hopefully, in the next couple of days. And that's pretty much been the only problem. Is a lot, a lot of people just don't know how to use Excel, I think, and uh, uploading their own data and then saving as a CSV. And then they can't, we haven't done a tutorial or anything too. So they don't know where like the little icon is where you got to log in. Yeah. Uh, Max is asking, and there's a couple questions here and then I was just pulling it up. I'm on the clock in a slow draft. So I thought I could show you guys here. Uh, Max says, is there a version of the tool that comes preloaded? That's what you're talking about with the automations, right? Yeah, that'll be hopefully today, maybe tomorrow, um, where all that info will be preloaded. Your exposures won't be preloaded pre in this one, but hopefully that will eventually happen. So if you want your exposures, you're just going to have to still upload a CSV for the next whatever, hopefully week or so. Um, but like, we're going to have a bunch of different things to upload. So like week 16 opponent, week 17 opponent. Uh, what else do we have? Like just a... You can, uh, you can have your own like strength of schedule. Like say if you want to equally wait week 16 and week 17, you could kind of give your own score to those and then give a numerical number to each team. Yeah, that's yeah. on there. Uh, strength of schedule be on there. Uh, implied total, team total for week 17 is an option if you want to put that on there. Um, and then once I get this sim good enough to where I like it, I'll put advancement rate and target rate on there too if people want to use my stuff. Yeah. Um, but if you have anything customizable or if we uh, ever get 
like uh, APIs from any other site, like ETR or Osmo or whoever, if they have APIs they want to load on there, maybe we can we can automate that somehow for their users, something like that. It, it, this is actually the perfect example. So this is I, I've been mainly doing fast drafts. This is a best ball mania slow draft where I'm on my last pick. I had even put Eno Benjamin in the queue because I'm obsessed with Eno Benjamin right now. It dovetails with our uh, awesome conversation where I think Eno Benjamin is going to be this year's Rashad Penny. And yet looking at the app here, I see highlighted Zamir White. I see that I only have 2% Zamir White versus 7% Eno Benjamin. I also have Derek Carr, of course, as my quarterback. That's why he's highlighting. And I only have one other Raider right now in Darren Waller. I don't have uh, anyone on, or I do have Atlanta for that week 17, but I am going to let the app remind me. Let's take uh, a slightly better bet here on a running back who's a little more correlated that I don't have quite as much of. So that's why uh, that's why I think the the app I've I've found it like shakes me out of my complacency. Like I go to my comfort zones and then it reminds you like Peter, you've been doing this every single time on autopilot. Maybe maybe mix it up. Yeah, I had like eighty percent. Um, what's that rookie's name? The wide receiver Traylon Burks. Traylon Burks, the asthma boy. Yeah. Yeah, I'm like I think that that's probably too high, even though I've only done six drafts. Let's let's. And then of course he's available right when I want him, And I, so I'm like, I'll just pass on him this time. Um, but yeah, I mean, it all depends on what you think is useful and, but you can yeah. upload whatever you want and it works on all the other sports too. So like, I'm going to, I think I'm going to upload some golf. So I figure with golf, like why not upload the winning percentages from a sports book? Like in this overlay yeah. it right on, if you're going to do a golf, uh, best ball you don't need much more honestly i bet on uh, those than what are the current odds yeah odds to win maybe odds top 10 something like that just pop that in there and you should be able to draft pretty good best ball golf teams i bet no one else is doing anything yeah yeah no i think that's really where it's going to come in handy for like you said the stuff that uh or at least me specifically know uh know nothing about and i would i'm excited about the tool too for i want to get more into nba best ball i don't know basketball very well at all um and so i think like the tool to kind of help guide me where i don't have to do as much you know prep uh like i do with nfl stuff would be very helpful definitely um so Visionary has a question we might as well answer really quick. We did just have the owner of stochastic.com on the site. So we have to say, if you're looking for a a training site or they have tons of videos and um, we are not paid to promote stochastic. No, we're not not getting our beat wet or our beak wet. And I mean, to to my own horn here, I do have a a playlist of my stuff videos. I did like two years ago that I still think I'll hold up. If you want to go on my channel, uh, which is my Brian Hooper 75 or brick 75. I, you can't, it's, you should easily find it. If you just use Google. Um, uh, there's not a lot of great books, honestly. I mean, uh, the well, Bales the ones, Bale- they're kind of old now. No offense to Bales. No, they are, but I, I, I tabbed through one of them within the past year. I tabbed through and like a lot of the concepts, um still really hold up like as just for a good fundamental understanding yeah you should you should still check them out if you haven't um and i don't know anything else well i mean blender's got that theory of df the theory of dfs 
an 18 hour masterclass. Um, yeah, there's, there's some, there's some good stuff out there. And, uh, I recommend hopping in the, uh, the discords too, is honestly like, I think getting to bad ideas around with people who have been doing this for a while is probably your like fastest on ramp because you'll be able to get very concrete examples right out of the gate. You know, like they'll be talking about a specific slate and you'll be able to learn how to apply those concepts uh, yep. in real time. I, but yeah. I ask basketball questions like every other day in our discord. So, um, and that's another reason why I like using my app because I don't pay attention to in the off season. I don't know who the rookies are. I don't know what, who's on what team. And so like I have, a, that's another column I put on there was uh, like rookie sophomore vet. And so, like, yeah, you know, that's a tie, a tiebreaker for me. Get get like a, a maybe an undervalued rookie or a sophomore who didn't have the super great year. Yeah. Um, and it or, and I'm I'm not using ADP, but I would use like ETRs ADP. I would upload that to my personal file and use their differential. Um, but I kind of have I kind of know who they like right now, so I swap that column out with my latest target scores. Yeah. But um, yeah, there's a lot of cool stuff you could do with it. And then obviously, it's eventually baseball. There's not a ton of props uh, and info out there, but we will have baseball pick 'em overlays and prop yeah. overlays eventually. That'll be after we get this basketball figured out. And um, come NBA and NFL, it'll overlay for DraftKings player props and uh, all the pick 'ems, prize picks, super draft underdog yep. so yeah that link is down below uh in the show notes uh, i believe it's at 25 dollars a month right now if you have questions you can hit up uh brian in the discord with that but yeah lots of updates coming and you know holly mentions here anything with a free yeah. agent new team comp that's the exact kind of stuff you can do any of that you can add yeah you can put that in there and if you want me to add it and automate it like go in our discord hit and tag me or dm me and, yeah. may, and we'll see if it's not too hard to do, then uh, that's a, that's a fun one. Yeah. I think that's a good one. It's not a that, bad idea. Yeah. You could do it almost as like rookie free agent, um, trade, like anyone who is on that isn't on the same team they were on last year, I think is, is kind of interesting information. Yeah. I like sophomore rookie, sophomore, yeah. new coordinator, vet or blank, yeah. whatever. Yeah. Okay. All right, guys. We are going to power this down. If you haven't gotten enough best ball for today, uh, my friend Chris Spags, my Splash Play co-host, is going to join us on ship chasing tonight. We'll probably draft a BBM3 team, continue the best ball conversation. Brian and I will not be here next Wednesday. Uh, I am have a long holiday weekend, and but we are going to try to schedule a stream on Friday. Brian and I are going to figure out those details right after this, so uh, you can stay tuned from that. Uh, anything else on your end, Brian? And do we have our next guest booked yet after that? Or not we yet? do. Yes, we do. So uh, the week after that, uh, the infamous Whistles Go Woo is going to make his return to Lowell's. And, uh, you know, like I, I like to say, he, he reached out to us. You know, I, I figured he's a busy man. He comes to us. So uh, I have no idea what he's cooking up. Um, but we are, we are going to find out. Oh, I have an idea. Oh, I have okay. an idea. All right. All right. Well, this is what we call a teaser in the business. Please subscribe. Like PJ, the videos. Go ahead. PJ, PJ. ownership. I did. There if you go. go to my site, brick75.com, it's free. Uh, and I think that's it, Pete. All right. Peace, guys.
For the ones who work hard to ensure their crew can always go the extra mile. And the ones who get in early so everyone can go home on time. There's Granger, Offering professional-grade supplies backed by product experts so you can quickly and easily find what you need. Plus, you can count on access to a committed team ready to go the extra mile for you. Call, click Granger.com, or just stop by. Granger for the ones who get it done.